Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Health Bites. I'm Snipta. I'm Nikita. And we are breaking down the latest developments at the intersection of health, technology, and public policy. And today we're looking into Biden's healthcare plan, um, talking about some of the short-term initiatives and what we hope to see as his long-term goals. So let's get right into it. One of Biden's first executive actions in office was to rejoin the World Health Organization, appointing Dr. Anthony Fauci as a U.S. representative. Nikita, what are your thoughts on the impact of this decision? Yeah, I think at its base, it's a very symbolic gesture. The U.S. was one of the biggest leaders in the global health space, and rejoining adds strength and rigor back to that initiative, but also on a very practical basis, the U.S. is one of the biggest funders. So providing extra funding will help balance the WHO's budget and fund projects that have been put on pause due to the COVID pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this especially is such a break from what we've seen in the last administration. Trump during his presidency was very focused on a U.S. first kind of policy. Um, But Biden's agenda shows a break away from this sort of isolationism that we've seen and bringing the United States back into fold and showing the spirit of greater global collaboration. And though he made this very important step in the context of global health policy, Biden has also made several strides in the area of domestic health policy as well. Let's talk about his $1.9 trillion American rescue plan, which just passed through the House. And as he says, this is the first step of his two-step plan to recover from sort of the far-reaching economic and social impacts of this crisis. And during this crisis, we're seeing so many people displaced from their insurance and needing uh, increased access to medical providers. One of President Biden's biggest goals has been to expand coverage. And we see that with his latest act, expanding the special enrollment period from February 15th to May 15th to encourage enrollment in the Affordable Care Act and Medicaid. And absolutely, and and kind of in line with that, he also expanded COBRA eligibility until September. And for those who are unfamiliar with COBRA, it's essentially the insurance program you can qualify for if you're unemployed for a certain amount of time. And even more than that, he's also really investing a lot of infrastructure into creating more public health jobs and increasing funding for public health workers. And then to increase vaccination supplies, another part of the American Rescue Plan is the Defense Production Act, which will improve and increase the supply chain capacity. Absolutely. And even from another perspective, sort of in line with his racial equity initiatives, he is increasing investment in the Indian health services and has also prioritized his commitment to reducing disparities in COVID with the expansion of community health centers, which is great because overall, he's also funding expansion of access to mental health and substance abuse treatment. So this is a very comprehensive plan. There are a lot of aspects to the American Rescue Plan. Nick, what are your thoughts on some of the impacts that this plan could have if if it passes the Senate? Yeah, I mean, there are researchers at Columbia University estimating that these proposals would cut child poverty in half. It's also going to be really helpful as we see these new variants coming in from around the world, such as the UK strain, the South Africa strain. I think it's important to be on top of identifying and looking out for those, which is one of the big pillars of this plan as well. And I think Biden is really pushing to help schools reopen, and it's an estimated 130 billion schools that can be reopened if this plan is followed. But I'm wondering, Snipta, what you think about the practicality or if there are any problems facing the American Rescue Plan. Absolutely. I think the American Rescue Plan has come under considerable scrutiny for a couple of the clauses, one of them being his reduction of $2,000 checks to $1,400 checks. 
um, especially since he ran the campaign promise that $2,000 checks were going to be out the door as president, I think a lot of people are starting to see that maybe he is not meeting his campaign promises, which could overall maybe you know, sort of damage some of the trust that people have in the Democratic Party. But even more than that, his ambitious plan to reopen schools has come under like, considerable criticism by teachers, parents, and students who are worried that their schools just don't have enough ventilation or the infrastructure to support return to classes um, without teachers being prioritized with vaccinations. And overall, it seems like the American Rescue Plan is a comprehensive proposal to attack and solve some of the problems the American people have faced from short-term impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be waiting to see if it passes the Senate and watching it on from there. Earlier, we talked a little about how Biden rejoined WHO and the symbolic and practical implications of that action. I know something else that's been really big is the repeal of the Mexico City rule. Yeah, so tell us more about this policy. Yeah, so the Mexico City rule was a policy started under the Reagan administration, which required NGOs to not perform or promote abortion as a method of family planning. And since then, Trump reinstated this and expanded to many U.S. global assistance programs, such as PEPFAR and other maternal and child health programs, which was cutting a lot of the funding to global health NGOs. And recently, Biden repealed this rule, which reinstated funding for international nonprofits that provide abortion counseling and referrals. Yeah, so I didn't know about the Mexico City policy until we started preparing for this podcast. And I'm surprised it didn't get more attention in the media. Nick, could you tell us more about what have been some of the impacts of this rule? Yeah, so studies have found that since the Mexico City policy was in place, abortion rates actually rose by 40% in countries. And that was correlated with a 14% decline in modern contraceptive use and a 12% increase in pregnancy rates. And this may seem contradictory to the goal of this policy, but actually what's speculated is that a decreased funding to NGOs resulted in declined U.S. funding for global health initiatives in these countries, which means key providers of women's health services in these areas had fewer resources to support family planning and contraceptives. It was, I think, a very uh, disheartening policy, and it's a very good step that it's been repealed. But some people are also saying it'll take a long time for fundings to start flowing again to these NGOs that had to halt previously, which might result in a, a delay before we can see some of these rates reversing. Absolutely, and this is a very controversial act as well. Trump, as a president, was very pro-life, or at least he really emphasized himself as being a very pro-life president. And I'm sure that there will be pushback from Republicans uh, for this policy as well. Biden's initiatives haven't just been centered on the past three policies that we've discussed. They've also been centered on COVID-19 specifically as well. And one of the biggest problems we were facing a lot of last year was expanding COVID-19 therapeutics, testing now vaccines to areas that were underserved, such as rural hospitals. And accelerating research for therapeutics will be really helpful in ensuring equal access and a better geographic spread of these resources. Another famous policy was previously called Operation Warp Speed is now in the process of getting a new name. But Snipta, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, this Operation War Speed kind of goes in line with Biden's promise for 100 million vaccines in 100 days. Though some critics said that it wasn't ambitious enough of a goal, other critics didn't believe that he would be able to meet that goal. But so far, he's been able to reach 50 million vaccinations in 37 days in office. 
it's really interesting. I think we saw Trump spending months downplaying the virus, downplaying its effects and its validity. And we almost see the opposite, a very conservative approach from Biden, conservative in the sense that he's very careful in all of his estimations to reopening policies and taking a very practical look at this pandemic. Um, we also recently saw that David Kessler was reinstated to chief science officer after years of leading the FDA, which I think shows the commitment to science and really fighting this from an academic perspective. And even beyond that, with Biden's promise for 100 million vaccines in 100 days, I'd be curious to see how supply chains uh, or issues with supply chains have affected his goals. You know, vaccine supply has been affected by bottlenecks and everything from syringes to rubber stoppers to finding health workers to emit vaccines and more. You know, and also because of the recent storms, I'm sure that a lot of vaccine appointments have been delayed. And, you know, maybe hopefully, with the introduction of the new single shot Johnson Johnson vaccine, this could help alleviate some of the strain that, that we've seen with supply and demand. Yeah, between the American Rescue Plan, previously Operation Warp Speed, repealing the Mexico City rule, and rejoining WHO, it sounds like there's a lot of hope for America's healthcare plan in the short term. Now, why don't we switch into some of Biden's long-term domestic goals, especially building on the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, so Nick, tell us, give us a brief overview of the Affordable Care Act before we dive into some of Biden's long-term goals. Right, so the Affordable Care Act was a key healthcare reform law, and it really aimed to extend and expand health insurance coverage to the then around 32 million uninsured Americans. There were key provisions, including the employer mandate requiring employers to cover their workers or pay penalties the individual mandate, which required individuals to have insurance, although in 2018, that penalty was reduced down to zero. It created the state-based insurance exchanges that we now have, which help individuals and small businesses purchase insurance. And then on the cost side, there were federal subsidies, which limited premium costs to between 2% of the income for those at 133% of the poverty line, up to 9.5% of the income for those between 300% or 400% of the federal poverty line. So building on some of these pillars of the Affordable Care Act has been the term public option, which we heard all through the primaries and through main election season. Snapta, can you tell us more about what the public option actually is? Yeah, you know, progressives were really hoping for a Medicare for all kind of plan. Under Biden's presidency, there's probably no chance that we'll see some kind of a Medicare for all plan. So his compromise has been creating a public option plan that would have lower premiums and high coverage. And in a way, progressives hope that people will enroll into this plan so that the country could potentially switch to a Medicare for all system in the future. Though this initiative is very promising, I'm curious to know, what are some other ways Biden has tried to open up access to health care recently? Yeah, so first he's removed the cap on health insurance tax credits, which previously allowed tax credits for people falling within 100% to 400% of the federal poverty line. But now that cap at 400% is removed, which should hopefully help a lot of the people who are sitting right above 400% of the FPL. He's also lowered the limit on the cost of coverage, which was previously a maximum of 9.86% of a person's income, and now it's lowered to 8.5%, which hopefully we will see lowering insurance costs for the entire population. Absolutely, and even further, he helped expand Medicare eligibility from 65 to 60 years old. This is really important um, because COVID-19 has had a really disproportionate impact on the elderly. So expanding that eligibility will hopefully help us protect those populations better in the coming year. 
Absolutely. And I think one really important factor to consider is potentially the funding infrastructure for Medicare, especially as we hit the 2030 problem with baby boomers qualifying for Medicare. There's simply just going to be a lot more beneficiaries when we hit 2030. And right now, the funding infrastructure is pretty fragile. And I'm curious to see what steps the new administration is going to take to make sure that this program stays in the long run. That's so true. And it sounds like between the Medicare expansion and the public option, the the idea of healthcare coverage and access has really been a priority for Biden. Now, right alongside increasing access, I think a more bipartisan priority in the healthcare space right now is lowering costs, especially starting with lowering drug prices. Um, Snipto, what are some of the ways that Biden and even Trump in the past have worked on this initiative? Yeah, so Trump's executive action while in office was, though an, an important first step, was pretty limited in scope and really applied to drugs that were administered in hospitals and doctor's offices. It is really important that Biden make a more broader executive action plan that targets pharmaceutical companies specifically. Yeah, I think you're so right that we need to target these new ph- drugs coming out of pharmaceutical companies directly. And that's been a priority. And we've seen that new specialty drugs will now have a suggested open price dictated by an HHS board, which will make the suggestion based on international price comparisons. Biden is also allowing importing medications in general from other countries, hopefully which will lower the average cost. And there will be a cap of the domestic price and an improved quality of the generic supply. We saw recently that Senator Leahy's proposed to provide all generic manufacturers with a sample of the original brand name medication. So we hope to see a lowering drug price soon. Biden's long-term goals look really promising from having a public option to expanding Medicare eligibility and lowering drug prices. It is clear that he's prioritizing access and affordability and appears to see how these policies will plan out in the long term. And so when we're talking about the short-term initiatives, we can see that he's clearly prioritizing COVID-19, trying to get checks into the hands of Americans, though lower than his initially promised $2,000 checks. And though his school reopening plan seems ambitious, it is clear that he has really given a lot of thought into how to help Americans recover from this crisis. And looking at long-term, I think we have a lot of hopes. Biden has addressed these three pillars of healthcare, cost, accessibility, and quality. I think it'll be very interesting to see how the public option can address all three of those pillars and really looking into the long run, how that might potentially transition into a Medicare for all type of plan. Well, that about covers our thoughts on Biden's short-term and long-term initiatives in office in terms of his healthcare plan. We hope you enjoyed our first podcast. We will be recording episodes every week. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do and who we are, follow us on healthbites.substack.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you so much.